Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now joining us from Business Insider is Dave Leventhal. And Dave, good morning. Good morning, Joe. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing. I'm doing well. It's beautiful here in Buffalo. It's very un-Buffalo-like to have a beautiful day fall on a weekend in April. <laughs> hey, well, you know, take take these small joys in life and, and run with them as far as you can go. Now, I have to say, you know, Dave, I always, I always shoot Dave a, a text, you know, um, about things I want to discuss. But Dave knows anything going on in Washington. I can throw him a curveball. And, you know, some people will text you after, hey, what was that? I wasn't ready. Dave is always ready. And, Dave, I just wanted to publicly throw that out there for um, always being ready for the curveballs during our interviews. <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> our first question. That's right. The first thing, something that really kind of got hot on social media, I guess, Thursday or Friday, and that is these recordings of Kevin McCarthy talking with uh, Liz Cheney. Where did these recordings come from, and what was said on them? Sure. So the huge, huge bombshell here in Washington, D.C., and a week filled with bombshells, to, to say the least. And uh, effectively, these are recordings that uh, had been published uh, ahead of the publication of a book that uh, two of my former colleagues at Politico, when I worked there, uh, are writing, Jonathan Martin uh, and Alex Burns. And uh, these are recordings of Kevin McCarthy and Liz Cheney, uh, who isn't exactly the most favorite Republican of many, many Republicans these days because of her uh, just thoroughly anti-Trump stance on, on all matters Trump. And Kevin McCarthy, in a nutshell, if you have not heard this recording, is basically saying that uh, he feels that uh, Donald Trump should step away, that, uh, that Donald Trump uh, bears responsibility in part for the January 6th attacks uh, and real kind of rub here in, in the scandal, if you will, is that Kevin McCarthy just hours before denied that he said anything of the sort. So this is really casting the Republican Party here in Washington, uh, I, I wouldn't say uh, into chaos, but it's causing a great deal of confusion and consternation about what exactly Kevin McCarthy believes about Donald Trump, about January 6th. And, and this all comes at a time when Republicans have a, a massive, massive opportunity here in November to retake the House, to win the House, to get a majority in the House and and have that side of Congress for the, the two years in 2023 20, uh, 20, and 2024. And Kevin McCarthy is the odds-on favorite to be the Speaker of the House were that to pass. So lots and lots of political intrigue on that front, all coming, Joe, from these tapes. Has Kevin McCarthy said anything since the tapes were released? He has not said anything material about it, but Donald Trump has. And uh, that, that was kind of the, 
almost the bigger question here is, well, you know, not what Kevin McCarthy's going to say about this, although everyone certainly cares about that, but what is Donald Trump's reaction going to be? And in a nutshell, it, it's been, ah, you know, he's, He's on my side. Uh, he's it's okay. Water under the bridge. Uh, people people make mistakes. I, I paraphrase here, but it really kind of underscores uh, sort of this you know kind of intriguing relationship that Donald Trump has with people who at one time or another have opposed him or have criticized him. We just saw this a, a couple nights ago with a very prominent U.S. Senate candidate running in Ohio, J.D. Vance, uh, who is likely. A leading candidate. Uh, he has a very good chance of winning that nomination for the Republican Party in that Senate race, and that's a critical Senate race for the Republicans taking over the Senate as well, potentially. And, and basically, Donald Trump uh, said, hey, uh, all the nasty, awful, terrible things that J.D. Vance said about me back about five or six years ago, that too, water under the bridge. He is my guy. He has endorsed J.D. Vance. And J.D. Vance, uh, like Kevin McCarthy, his in the here and now have uh, been very, very, very complimentary, supportive, uh, and, and otherwise behind Donald Trump through and through. So Donald Trump seems to have a willingness in the here and now to uh, kind of forgive and forget those who uh, have come around and, and become disciples of his. And in, on the flip side of that, uh, he has really reserved his, his greatest bane and bile for people like Mitch McConnell, uh, who have waffled, or we mentioned Liz Cheney, Liz Cheney for sure, who's sitting, for example, on the uh, the select committee that is investigating all things January 6th in the U.S. House and has been wildly critical uh, of Donald Trump. So that intrigue still goes forward at a time for Donald Trump when he is actively considering himself running for president again and making a comeback ahead of the 2024 presidential election, Joe. You know, and I know this is early on. I mean, the, the tape was just leaked out late in the week. Uh, but even, you know, because it shows Kevin McCarthy says one thing, you, you hear the recordings, even if the Republicans do the, do get Congress, is there a question now that he would even be up for speaker? With, with I guess we have to see how this plays out. But has that even begun to be discussed? Yeah, and, and that really seems to be the big question here for Kevin McCarthy himself, whether even if Donald Trump is saying, hey, this is cool, this is okay, even if Kevin McCarthy has some sort of alibi, if he will, you know, this is going to absolutely in the minds of other Republicans, especially those who may see this as an opportunity for them to toss their name in the hat to be considered uh, for House leadership, uh, for them to be considered as House Speaker, whether this is their opportunity to to make a play, and it very well could be. So there are questions as to whether Kevin McCarthy has, has done something that has shaken the faith in other Republicans, especially in the U.S. House, as to whether he's somebody who can be trusted. It is really, you know, just kind of rock the confidence in some as to whether he is fit to be the ultimate leader of uh, the Republican Party on the House side as Speaker of the House when they have a majority. And, you know, it's it's easy to forget things like this because uh, it, it seemed like it happened a political generation ago. But as recently as 2015, I mean, Kevin McCarthy seemed like he was going to be the odds-on favorite and almost assured to win the speakership and become Speaker of the House in 2015. And then he pulled back because of sort of, you know, weird things that were going on that never quite got solidified and, and answered as to, uh, to to why he, he ultimately bowed out of the speaker's race, basically saying, 
you know, hey, I, I couldn't unify the various factions of the Republican Party. There were definitely whisper campaigns about whether it involved other things of a personal sort, let us say. So, and Paul Ryan ended up becoming speaker at that point in time, too. So this is not Kevin McCarthy's first rodeo, Joe, when it comes to looking like he's uh, on the precipice of becoming the top leader in the U.S. House and then having that thrown into some sort of peril. And, and, and since uh, former President Trump's name came up, you know, Dave, I'm always interested to look out there, look at the the races. You know, as you said, I mean, both how both the Senate and the Congress could be up for um, for the Republicans. Are, are you noticing Trump campaigning for certain campaigns and other campaigns asking kind of like Yunkin and Virginia? Eh, you know, maybe it's best if you keep your distance. Yeah, and, and this is a dance that is being uh, it's taking place in, in different forms and fashions all over the country. There are some candidates who are uh, wildly embracing Donald Trump, and Donald Trump is wildly embracing them. And we mentioned J.D. Vance. I think that's a great example of where Donald Trump is going to be a very active and visible and vocal participant in that critical U.S. Senate race in Ohio. And him and J.D. Vance, they, they are copacetic now. They are... They are friends, they are allies, and, and all those good things. So, yes, it would not be surprising to see lots of Donald Trump in Ohio through the rest of this year. And uh, and, and that's not going to be the case in other states where, you know, perhaps they voted those states uh, went for Joe Biden in the 2020 race. Or the candidate who's running will embrace the principles that Donald Trump espouses and embraces, but maybe has a bit of a cool relationship uh, with Donald Trump. And Glenn Youngkin, the, the now governor of Virginia, a perfect re- recent example of how that played out in practice with Glenn Youngkin talking a, a very Trump-like game, but just not really embracing Donald Trump. What makes Ohio in particular interesting is that Ohio was a state that did go for Donald Trump in 2020. So, so the math is there, Joe. And, and that's uh, another reason why Donald Trump and J.D. Vance uh, see Donald Trump as a big advantage to Republicans winning in that state because it is a redder state than it is a bluer state, uh, for sure, at least at this moment in time. So that uh, that's something that's going to really play itself out state by state, race by race all over the country, and the particulars of the individual who's running and also to the electoral realities in those states, if you will, are going to be very, very big factors in, in each individual equation. Also, you, you mentioned a lot of uh, bombshells this week, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, 180s in Washington. In Florida, the um, mandate on planes and airports and all that was uh, was thrown out or I, I don't, was it deemed unconstitutional? Whatever it was deemed, uh, it was thrown out. Uh, the Biden administration kind of tiptoed around it for a day or two and then said, yes, we are challenging it. Uh, where do we stand now on that? And is it possible now here in New York State? It doesn't matter because the governor has put it back into effect. But is it possible sometime next week we see the country back to masks on airplanes? Yeah, it's entirely possible. So if, if you're wondering where is this all going, there is no answer yet. And the, the only advice I think that anyone could give is, be flexible and expect uh, the unexpected to happen and expect change. <laughs> the only constant here is that things will change, uh, that, that we can believe in. But the 10-second recap is a federal judge basically deemed the uh, CDC to be uh, overstepping its bounds in that it, it continued a mask mandate uh, beyond 
really an expiration date of versus the the health situation in effect. And the Biden administration, through the Department of Justice, has argued and are going to appeal this to basically say no. The CDC's job is exactly that, to ensure public health. And we see this as an ongoing pandemic that requires that that type of level of protection uh, when it comes to travel of an interstate sort. Now, this also, too, to confuse the matter even more, is that it doesn't really factor into what local jurisdictions can do in their own right. So if you have a particular municipality or a particular local travel system that wants to deviate from what uh, is happening at the national level, they have the right to do so. They have the ability to do so. So this is just kind of part and parcel of what we've seen for more than two years right now is a a very patchwork quilt hodgepodge-like type of situation where depending on where you live, depending on who your governmental leaders are, you may have a very different situation than people a state over or people a county over. It, uh, it really just continues on that way. And this is just the latest iteration of that show, although one that uh, definitely is uh, very high profile and affects lots and lots of people, especially those who use planes and trains and automobiles, of <laughs> Lyft or Uber sort. Uh, it, it really is a big deal. And, um, oh, uh, it was set to expire in a week or so anyway, right? Right. And in essence, the Biden administration would have had to re-up uh, yet again, which they've been doing just kind of in uh, stair-step fashion, where you you would uh, have a date, you'd have a deadline, it would expire, and then it would be re-upped for another month or another six weeks. So that seemed to be the approach that they were going to continue to take. And if they get a favorable court ruling and are able to institute mass mandates again for travel, uh, airline travel, train travel, et cetera, then they may very well do the same thing, too. Their argument has always been, look, we're going to look at the data. We're going to look at empirical evidence if caseloads are low. Uh, in terms of COVID, we are going to adjust and be flexible. And, and that's what they want to sort of retain as just sort of that, that max flexibility. And they have the CDC be the tip of the spear on that. Or just four days if you're uh, if you're in Philadelphia, uh, Dave. I have a question about Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Now she is on her way out of the administration, correct? She is in all likelihood, and uh, the, the the deal there is that she's in uh, reported negotiations with MSNBC to appear as a uh, as a contributor to MSNBC, perhaps even have her own shows. So it, it's created this very very awkward situation and. A number of reporters uh, have asked her in the midst of press conferences, how can you actually be a press secretary when you're trying to angle with a media organization and, and work for them? Uh, are, are, you, are you trying to do two jobs at once? What's the deal here? And first of all, it's not uncommon for any press secretary to uh, parlay their time in the White House into a media gig. We've seen this time and time again with Republicans and Democrats. But for this to be happening and occurring while she's still up there, uh, at the lectern talking <laughs> about issues of national import on behalf of the Biden administration. It, it has definitely created, Joe, a, an awkward situation at the least. You know, and hey, I, I'm not saying that uh, I'm not saying it's it, it's easy to, to be a journalist or to be on TV, but I would think it's a little less stressful to take the MSNBC job than keep on being the press secretary. And, and definitely a more lucrative one, too. Uh, you're, you're, you know, you, you get a nice salary in government uh, relative to what the national median might be. But if you're going to get a, a plum job at MSNBC of, of <laughs> sort or Fox News or any other TV network uh, of that sort, then 
you are likely going to take your low six-figure salary and turn that into a high six-figure salary or a low seven-figure salary. So the financial payoff and benefits that can be massive, Joe, in a situation like this for Jen Psaki. That's right. Just uh, don't take that CNN Plus job. Um, <laughs> Our, our next our next guest, we're talking to an attorney about the redistricting here in New York, which has gotten uh, challenged by a court. And, and, you know, we hear this every every so often when they do the redistricting. Oh, you know, a, a judge has said this, that. But it always seems, unless I'm missing something, Dave, it always seems that these districts end up the the way that we're challenged. It still ends up that way. Uh, we just saw in Florida those congressional uh, districts be approved. Are we seeing anywhere else around the country where a state's uh, gerrymandering is uh, being challenged in court? Yeah, and challenged and even knocked down. So in general, and this is going back many, many election cycles, federal courts generally take a dim view on either Democrats or Republicans drawing maps that are overtly in favor of their partisan political interests, uh, you know, at the expense of fairness to the electorate. So we've seen plenty of examples with Democrats. We've seen plenty of examples with Republicans over the years. And, and we've seen examples on both sides, too, in this election cycle. So Obviously, New York State is going through the situation that that's going in. In North Carolina, a little while back, uh, courts tossed out a Republican map uh, that they deemed to, to be unfair and, uh, and skewed toward Republicans. So we've still got questions here in uh, Kansas and New Hampshire as to what their maps are going to look like. And, and Maryland also had its map tossed out by a federal court because it was gerrymandered in the opinion of the court. Uh, way too much in favor of Democrats. And uh, the, the Maryland map, if if you go ahead and search for it, I mean, the original Maryland map that was proposed, it, it, it was comical. It, it, it looked like, uh, you know, a, a map that a five-year-old had drawn in, uh, you know, fifth grade or, or <laughs> in kindergarten, a five-year-old had drawn and, you know, trying to, to, you know, get from one point to another. I mean, it was really, really as gerrymandered as almost any map that, we've seen in years. So in those types of situations, yes, you, you can make a very strong case if you are the Republican Party that the Democrats have just com- are completely out to lunch. And, and courts will tend to agree, um, although they won't in every situation, particularly if it's on the fence or, or a case can be made that uh, this is the best map that we can draw under the situation that, that, that we're under. I'll tell you, the, the district that I can't wait to ask about uh, to our next guest is New York 24. Uh, it just it, it, it goes Erie County and then kind of dips down and then it's on the other end of the state. Uh, that's going to be it's going to be a heck of a of, of traveling for Chris Jacobs uh, if, if he uh, gets that district. Well, you know, you, you'll have some of these districts that originally get proposed, Joe, and, and they're, they're sort of like a, you know, a land bridge from one big part of the district to the other that that may be quite literally a few blocks wide. Uh, and on both sides of that little land bridge are different districts. Uh, I used to report on politics in Texas for the Dallas Morning News, and one time wrote a story I remember about a district, well, multiple districts, where you could drive down a street, and you could drive down about a mile and a half, and you would actually enter or exit congressional districts on five different occasions. So, uh, you know, just imagine being a person who lives on that street. Uh, you know, it's my congressman, this guy or that guy or that guy or that guy. It, it, it literally is that 
ridiculous when it comes to certain portions of the country if certain maps are, are left to be in place. And, and Dave, before I let you go, I, I can't, I cannot not ask you about Santa Claus running for Congress in Alaska. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the Alaska congressional race is, uh, it, it is one of the most uh, wacky, confusing, bizarre, confounding races uh, going to be in the country. And that's not just because uh, the fa- of the fact that Sarah Palin is running in this race. Um, you know, Don Young, the long, 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 long time member of Congress, uh, he died at advanced age. And, and we have and I don't have time, Joe, here to go through all the particulars, but we're going to have a special primary election, then a special general election, and then a primary for the November election. And we're going to have a general election in November. So you're going to be hearing about this Alaska congressional race a whole heck of a lot over the next many months. And then it's uh, particularly confused by the fact that some of those races are going to be normal voting, which you and I are accustomed to, which is where you just vote for one candidate, right? Well, the general election, at least coming up in August for the special election, is going to be what's called ranked choice voting, where you get to basically rank your favorite candidates. So you're, you're kind of assigning a value to a set of candidates, which is going to be very, very interesting. But Sarah Palin looms large. You mentioned Santa Claus. This is a man. He is from the town of North Pole, Alaska, which I have actually been to. It is as charming as any place in the United States, uh, but he has legally changed his name to Santa Claus. He is running in this race, along with a couple of dozen other people, including some who, uh, at least in, in a few cases, are, are going to, to be a very, very strong challenge to Sarah Palin, who has a loyal file following in some quarters, but is also pretty unpopular in many other quarters in Alaska. She's got about a 50 percent uh, disapproval rate right now. So this is not a slam dunk ticket to the bank for Sarah Palin by any stretch. And heck, she could win the special election and get booted out a few months later in the general election. This is just uh, going to be, uh, at least from a, a political uh, prognosticator standpoint, uh, a whole heck of a lot of uh, fun and, and, and lots of insanity, too. Dave, always uh, always fun catching up uh, with D.C. Hopefully the weather there is as nice as it is here, and you have a great Sunday afternoon. Thank you. 70 and sunny. Couldn't, couldn't ask for a better day here. Uh, sounds great. Dave Leventhal, Business Insider. Always great catching up with him. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can 
put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 